DJPK brought to you in part by The Store. The Store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The Store has two locations, in Holiday, 6200 South and 2050 East, and at the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake City. That's The Store. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So much to talk to you about. The Jazz are slumping. The Aggies got in and were whooping it up in a ballroom at their hotel. The Cougars knew they were in. They just wanted to find out who they're going to play. And they still don't know who they're going to play. So we got to get through all of this with you in the next 20 minutes or so. Let's start with uh, BYU. We knew they were in. We thought they might get a 6 or 7 seed. They got a 6. So for all the people who felt like your teams and Dave teams got poor seeds and deserved better, well, none of that this year. But UCLA or Michigan State, if you were Mark Pope, who would you rather play? And if you were Mark Pope, who do you expect to play? Uh, I'd rather play probably UCLA, who's lost four in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, I've seen UCLA play a couple times, and uh, but you know, it's not that they're obviously they're they're a solid team. They got in, uh, they've had some good wins, but anytime you you've lost four games in a row. Um, there, there's some doubt, and uh, I'm sure they believe they can beat Michigan State. And you know, and when you look at Michigan State, uh, you know, you're, they they've defeated Michigan, number two Michigan. They've defeated number four Ohio State. They've defeated <laughs> number five Illinois. So you know they're capable. I mean, they got bad losses, and they lost three out of the last four as well. So, uh, but to me, the Big Ten was the best conference in the country. And for Michigan State, and I don't know a lot about Michigan State, but at the end of the day, if you can if you can beat Michigan or Ohio State, and Illinois, you're 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 capable of beating anybody. And I, I recognize those were home games; they weren't neutral site games. And um, so, you know, I think I'm wanting to play UCLA, but at this time of the year, you know, you're you're just doing everything you can to prepare. And, uh, you know, you're not really talking to your guys about the fact that they've lost four in a row. I probably wouldn't be the smartest. You're going to show them film of, of good wins, big wins, and, and get them ready and make sure they, re- they respect their opponent. But, uh, uh, you know, they took fourth in the Pac-12. They're 17-9 and nine UCLA. So, you know, they're, they're solid. Michigan State just had a much more difficult task, and it took a while for them to start playing better. But, uh you know, like I said, they lost three of the last four, but they had in uh, in February big wins over Ohio State and Illinois. So I'd I'd probably go with UCLA uh, just because of the those circumstances. This sort of reminds me of your time at BYU when they saddled you with Syracuse and UConn, and so they weren't necessarily. I think both of them actually were coming off a national title the year before and didn't have banner years, but they're banner programs. And that's the way I look at whoever BYU gets, not banner years relative to what their program is used to, but nevertheless big-name programs. Yeah, you know what, that it's true. And, I mean, I think Cincinnati, who beat us the first in our first, I think they had won a national championship year. Before. I had to look, but it, it wasn't the year before. It was they had had uh, – had a great run, and uh, I feel, and maybe it was more the, the 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 coaching staff there. But you're right. I mean, it's one of those things that it, it is. They may not have had a banner year, but they've got a great tradition, and they've obviously year in and year out have great players. You know, uh, 
I, I forgot the guy's name at UCLA, the head coach there, Cronin, I guess. Uh, Cronin, Mick Cronin, you know, yeah. He, yeah, he's done a nice job there. And, you know, that thing was kind of flattened out. And there wasn't a lot of energy, and he's brought energy there, and he's got guys believing they can win. Uh, obviously, Michigan State's a storied program with national championships and, you know, and the like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've not had great years. You're right. and But they've proved that on any given night they can do something. But playing in neutral sites, uh, you know, I think the advantage for BYU is they get to watch this team play uh, on a Thursday when they're going to play them on a Saturday. And uh, I think, think that is an advantage. I mean, it's not like they're going to do a lot of different things come Saturday night. It gives guys a familiarity with them. Uh, and, and obviously they've got a bunch of other tape they've watched. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think there's a benefit. And then, you know, two days later, they got to play BYU. Uh, I don't know if the, have the sites where everybody's playing yet been established. I think they're going to that field house there Hinkle. for BYU. Hinkle Field House oh. from Hoosiers. Mark Pope can measure yep. the free throw line if he'd like, or maybe the rim. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's where Butler plays. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's, uh, I've been in that field house. Uh, in fact, um, at the end of my time in, in Indiana, Heath Stroyer, I think he was at Tennessee Martin, came in and played Butler. So I sat right behind the bench there and watched that game. That's a story facility and. Uh, I actually spoke in that place. There, a, there was a church gathering there for uh, in that Indiana area, and I remember being in that. And I think I've, I think I've actually been in all the facilities one time or another, just uh, in, in my travels when I was in Indiana. Not watching game. That was the only college game that I watched. But uh, I, I'd always be with the missionaries, and uh, and most of we had people on every campus, and so I had a chance to kind of poke in and take a look at those places and uh so i think i think i've seen everything iupy was our mission that's where they're playing they're playing their facilities so they're all nice facilities and uh what a what a, what a cool thing to do this thing in indiana and, and to have it all in one central location so um, excited to watch so for Utah State, they are playing Texas Tech, and I think there are people who will tell you the Big 12 was the best conference in the country. There's probably people who will tell you the Big 10 was too. Uh, but even though Texas Tech is, uh, is down a, a little bit in the conference standings, the conference is deep enough that maybe that just means they've been tested and they've played a lot of big games. What do you think of the Aggies' chance of pulling an upset in his 11th seed? Hey, listen, I, I, I believe in Utah State. You know, uh, what they've done the last two years, uh, you know, they're not as good offensively as they were last year, obviously, losing the big guard. They, they're just they're not, but he's uh, got the coach. And uh, I think both teams are very physical. Both teams are good defensively. You know, you know Texas Tech has had to play really, really physical basketball and, and night in and night out where – uh, you know, the Mountain West had an, they had the top of half of the Mountain West, you know, Colorado State, uh, Boise, uh, even Nevada at times, obviously San Diego State. Uh, they were, uh, they, they had a solid league. I mean, they, they had good wins, they had bad losses, but I like that league. It's, it's the best that league's been in a while. So it wasn't like uh, Utah State came from a really soft league because I think this was one of the better Mountain West Conference uh, seasons. Even though it was a COVID time and a lot of games were missed, uh, I, I, I like their chances. Uh, I mean, if I was doing my bracket, 
I'd probably pick Utah State because I, you know, I lived there and knew that. But in my heart, I'm, I'm thinking Texas Tech wins that game. But certainly Utah State uh, is capable and has the capacity. They don't. They go nice where they don't score real well, and they're going to have to put up, you know, 60 points to uh, to beat a Texas Tech team. Maybe I have to put up more than that. And if they can score early and stay in the game, I mean, you've got two great coaches. So I I. I'm hoping that Utah State wins, but I think I'd probably pick Texas Tech just because of what they had to go through the year, game in and game out. Mark Pope has certainly generated a lot of enthusiasm in the BYU basketball program. He's got a ton of charisma, but I think it starts now because he needs to separate himself if he wants to be in the coach, and I'm sure he does want to be one of the better coaches. you got to win in the NCAA tournament. I asked him on the conference call as far as the great programs, which he played in one at Kentucky, obviously, that those programs are measured by success in the NCAA tournament. That's what you want. Is it fair going forward to judge Mark Pope and BYU based on the NCAA tournament? Well, listen, the, the BYU has been to the NCAA tournament a lot. I mean, in the last 20 years. I mean, Dave, I think, went eight times. Coach Rose, seven or eight times. And we went three in that last five years. And, and Mark would have been in it last year. So the expectation of getting to the tournament makes good sense. Uh, and I think, Dave, when you play on national TV, Gonzaga toe-to-toe and have yourself in a position, I think anybody that watched that team says, hey, this team's capable of winning, you know, one or two games. And uh, so, yeah, I think there is the expectation for them to go there. It's not like they're an underdog. They 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 went toe-to-toe with the best team in the country who's probably going to win a national championship, and they did it on a neutral court. So that raises expectations. Uh, you know, if they lose to Michigan State, you know, that there's, there's a name – school that if you lose to well it was michigan state it wasn't you know some some uh tier five school that upset somebody in a tournament and you should have won i i think there's an expectation in that program that whether they play michigan state or ucla that they can win and uh but in terms of how they're judged i i think the thing that mark has done in a really quick time and probably could not done it in in an era where uh, did it because of transfer rules and, and getting guys eligible uh, immediately, you know, it was Barcello, uh, with Harms, uh, Everett. I think he, I think he sat out. But uh, certainly the transfers, and we've talked about this before. You can get yourself better pretty quickly. And you know, Mark talks all the time about having a great locker room, and their coaching staff is really, really good about that, and having the culture that you need, and having guys bought in. So they've, they've done all the things that they should do. Uh, it's it's really hard for me to find any real fault with with Coach Pope and what he's done in the first two years. There's great energy, guys love him, and the fans. You know, even though they haven't been around this year, uh, the, the Gonzaga win the end of last year. You know, brought the kind of the community together, and immediately you knew that BYU was going to be good again for a long stretch here. And I think the, that we talked about this before, but I just think his ability to get transfers and and to fill in holes for guys going on missions and coming off uh, is something that he's really good at. He's got a great personality, as does his whole staff. You know, they're really people-oriented, 
And uh, so, yeah, I mean, everybody's judged. It's, it's fair. I mean, you're in this business, and I was in the tournament three times and, and came within the last minute of winning a couple of times and, and didn't, you know, and I look back and just, I mean, I'm, I'm not beating myself up over it, but that, that would have been really special. And we had opportunities to win in two of those games late and didn't. And we were playing two teams that had won national championships, come for story programs. And I felt like, you know, we didn't get it done. And I, I take responsibility for that. Players do too. But yeah, I mean, you, you win a couple of those games, you know, all of a sudden, you got a chance to be at the Sweet 16 because you get momentum. And, and uh, so there haven't been a lot of Sweet 16 teams at BYU. There have been a few, but uh, I think it's uh, – I'm not sure that this is a Sweet 16 team, but, but certainly if they shoot the three ball well, uh, they can beat either one of these teams. I mean, they've got to come out and shoot well. And, uh, and, and then I think Michigan State is going to be more physical – and and I think BYU is up for a game like that, um, but I, I I think Michigan State wins, and then I think it's going to be a really really good game, and BYU will need to play well to beat Michigan State. Uh, but we saw them play real well about a week ago against the number one team in the nation, and so it's hard not to believe that these guys can't replicate it and do it again. So hopefully that's what happens, and they play well um, and. And we don't let's not forget this either. BYU's been really solid defensively, and you know having arms at the rim and having good, strong, quick guards that are physical uh, and just don't let guys have their way. Defensively, they've done a really solid job. So um, they don't have to shoot it as well as they did against Gonzaga, but I, I think they need to be. They're shooting 40, 45 percent from the field, and they're shooting 40 percent from the three then uh, probably they're in a position to, to beat Michigan State. If they don't, it, it, will, it will be challenging because I think Michigan State, I mean, you're talking about a team that finished ninth in their league. Sells you a little bit something about their league. They finished ninth, 15 and 12, and get to the tournament as 11 seed. Mind you, it's a playing game, but uh, that's a pretty doggone good league. And like you said before, the Big Ten and uh, the Big 12 are probably the two toughest leagues in the, in the country this year. We've all seen tournament games where a team that had tournament experience had a significant edge, calming the nerves, just playing the game, not worrying about everything else. Well, another team could be all wide-eyed. I watched this tournament the whole time growing up and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we didn't have a tournament last year. I mean, we know who the tournament teams largely were, but they didn't actually get to play. And with a turnover two years, graduation, all the transfers, I'm wondering if you think that will – you know, tournament experience is going to matter as much this year if it's just going to be a really different kind of year because Utah State is playing Texas Tech. BYU, if they, if Michigan State beats UCLA, they will be playing teams that played each other in the Final Four two years ago. Texas Tech beat yeah. Michigan State. Does that matter, or is two years, 20 years in college basketball, and we're going to see a lot of nerves in the tournament this year? No, I, I think I think it does matter to a certain degree because I think that people that are in those programs have those expectations, and it's not to say that BYU or Utah State don't have expectations to win and get to the next level in the next round or be Sweet 16 teams. They just haven't done it very often, you know. So there's not a history there. Uh, whereas with these two clubs, story programs that have had great success and, and with good coaches, so. I think the mindset of a Texas Tech or a Michigan State is, 
hey, we've been there before, this is done before, this is what we do, this is who we are. It's not, I'm not saying that BYU and Utah State don't feel that and believe that and that the coaching staff isn't instilling that. I think they are. But still, it's different than, hey, we were you know, in a Final Four two years ago. I mean, that is a different expectation. That's a different place. And, uh, and you know, it, it gets guys fired up. The underdog deal is always what the NC2A is about. Now, the, the thing that isn't going to be happening is there's not going to be a lot of fans, I don't think, are there? I haven't seen anything officially about fans in the in facilities. If there are a few, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be a lot. So you're taking away that energy that comes to teams that are underdogs and all of a sudden in a, an entire arena of people from other, other schools, you know, they're neutral to the game. They don't care who wins. But all of a sudden, anytime it's a higher seed against a lower seed, they're pulling for the underdog. And interestingly enough, Michigan State and UCLA – would would always be names like that, or you know, you feel like you're the underdog, and yet BYU is not. I mean, they're they're a six seed, and and uh, but there's something to be said about the mindset of being in programs that have been to the Final Fours, and that expectation. You don't have to talk a lot about it. The players know that's why they went to that institution. That's why they were recruited there to go to you know Final Eights and Sweet Sixteens and Final Fours. So. Um, yeah, I, I would think that – I don't think BYU is going in the start. They've got older guys now, you know, too. I mean, you've got three seniors that have been in college programs for almost five years now, so they've seen a lot. Uh, you know, how does a Travis Snell or a Spencer Johnson, how do they step up? You know, you watched them against Gonzaga make big plays and and uh, and, and, and do things uh, in, in games. So I, I don't think they come into this thing wide-eyed and – not sure and nervous. I think they believe. But once that ball gets tipped up, you have physicality of that game and everything. And that's the one thing I like about BYU. BYU has gotten so much better over the year in terms of physicality, defensively, a lot of its game prep, you know, being in the right place. Uh, but, yeah, I think Michigan State, you know, UCLA has not been very good for a while. Uh, so I don't even know that these young kids, I mean, I know they – you know, UCLA is a storied program. But for Michigan State, and it's a different deal. And uh, they, they've been there and recently and uh, have a storied program as well. So we'll see. I mean, I know the guys are going to be excited, and they'll be prepared. Both, you know, everybody's prepared at this time of the year. And I think that playing in a neutral site, playing no fans, I think that always benefits the, the uh, probably the, the team that is the more physically – and more talented team. If there's not going to be fans, who 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 gets the the underdogs going? So you have not having fans. And Michigan State now, you figure if they end up beating UCLA, and that's what I'm I'm thinking is going to happen. Um, they've had three big time wins against teams that've been ranked in the top five all year. So uh, I don't think they're going to come into any game thinking that they can't win. The Jazz are four and five in the last nine games. Is this just something that happens in the middle of the NBA season, or are teams catching up to them? The advantage that they had in continuity over other clubs early in the year, the fact their team playing teams the second and third time, they got a better idea what they want to do against the Jazz. Uh, you know, are, are teams catching up to them, and should fans be worried? 
Well, you know what? I, I don't know they need to be worried, but teams are going to catch up to them when you play them multiple times at this time of the year. But look at the rest of the league. I mean, everybody. I mean, you've got 10, 11, 12, 13 losses in the top three or four people. I mean, so it's happening everywhere. And, you know, they've got three road games at Boston, Washington, and Toronto. You know, and, and you know, all three of those programs are struggling. I mean, I mean Boston had a, a good win coming out of the All-Star break and lost. I mean, they're... Boston six and four, Washington's four and six, Toronto's three and seven, but we know they're all capable. I mean, certainly Boston and Toronto, if their guys are playing, the right guys are playing and they're healthy, those are difficult places to play on the road. You, you, you know, six months ago when you saw that schedule, or I guess these schedules probably weren't out six months ago with COVID, but once you saw that schedule, you go that those would be two tough places to play. And so I think it's what everybody's going through. I mean, all the teams with 13, 14, 18, 19 losses. I mean, uh, it's, it's just the nature of the year and uh, coming, you know, the second half of this year. I think the Jazz are still in a good position, even though they're, you know, they've, they've lost a few games. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I still think the Jazz are playing well. You know, they can't, they can't have guys. I mean, you start looking at, I'm watching this doggone. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, I forgot. I, I, I'm, I'm watching New Orleans Pelicans play, uh, and I'm thinking these guys—they're not a great basketball team. They're 17 and 22, but on a given night, they can beat anybody because they can score. You know, I mean, I, I didn't—I just didn't. Try, I didn't see Golden State just thrashing the Clippers. You know, and mind you, it was a home, so. Yeah, anything can happen, and I think this is the time of the year where it does, but there's a lot of parity in this league. There isn't much that separates one to eight, to be honest with you. I mean, we know who really has a chance to get to the finals, and, and I think that if you took uh, Brooklyn, I mean, the Lakers haven't played great. Uh, you take the Clippers, teams that preseason, Philadelphia is playing better. Obviously, Utah is playing better. But there's only a handful of teams that can probably get to the finals just because if, if everybody stays healthy. And, and I think Utah has proven that after 38 games, they can get to a finals. They, they've demonstrated they can beat good teams. Uh, but a lot of it, too, and I, and I wouldn't have the analytics and stats for this, but sometimes you're playing teams when they're missing players. And, uh, you know, you, you can get wins when, you know, maybe had certain guys not been sick or not been in protocol or whatever the circumstances were. But I think the Jazz are still solid. Jazz have a chance to go on the road and win these three games. And all three of those teams, they got question marks. People, they're not sure what's going on. Their own fan base doesn't know what's going on. They go on the road and lose two of those or three of those, then, then, then there's something to worry about. But I think if they go on the road and win two out of three or win all three, then I think that makes a huge statement as we get into the second half of the season that Utah's going to be at the top here in one or two of the conference, and they're going to, you know, they're going to have home court advantage. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes talking Cougars, talking Aggies, talking Jazz. Enjoy the March Madness. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. It'll be fun to watch. See you guys. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed. Utah football, the NCAA tournament, and the Jazz and the Warriors. It's all next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Number one.
Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Well, you, you have to do your due diligence in terms of betting or researching of the players by talking to their college coaches, their strength and conditioning coaches at the previous schools, the athletic trainers, and just uh, their high school coaches. So you, you dig pretty deep, but then the conversations with the young men, whether it's a recruiting coach or myself, getting to know them and making sure it will be a smooth transition. It's not a science. It's not a perfect match 100% of the time. However, we feel like we have hit home runs in the players that you're discussing. That's Andy Ludwig, Utah's offensive coordinator, earlier this morning on the show. Home runs and the players you're discussing. Inside the park, though? Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so if you, if you get a home run at quarterback, that's, uh, that's a walk-off in the ninth. But if you get a home run at running back and it's inside the park, who cares? And, and the Utes, uh, the quarterback room is loaded with transfers. The uh, run, But the top two running backs, well, at least two of the top three, we'll see how it plays out. At least two of the top three, maybe the top two running backs are transfers. How many home runs did they hit? He didn't put a number on it. Two, three, four. How many? Well, it's important to have depth, but it's more important to have a stud starter. Yes, you want the depth because you tend to use it because you have injuries. But he didn't say they hit doubles. Home runs. So we'll see where, we'll see where that goes when we get to September. But in the same breath, he says it's not a science. Right. They've taken transfers who are not home runs. Uh, we could probably okay, but... list them. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not my point. The point being, he thinks they're home runs, but they're, it's not a science. Do, mm-hmm. So do we really know? With the freshman, I would say absolutely not. I would say probably with Brewer because he's played a lot of college football. Um, but they brought in Bentley, and you could say probably. Now there was the changing the system thing and that, but it, 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 it didn't work out to everybody's hopes, to anybody's hopes. Well, he already left. Right. I mean, yeah, I so think, it's not. I think a, he announced this, he was transferring in the fourth quarter of Washington State. <laughs> it's not a science, and that would be an example of it's not so, a science. So you, but you can say you've got a home run, but until you have a home run, you don't know that you have a home run. When dost thou knoweth <laughs> you have a home run? When you're standing in Las Vegas on a podium holding the Pac-12 title trophy. Then you know you have a home run. Come on, Shakespearean, let's right. go. But I think we have I, said I this many that. we've said many times that when the youth coaches tell us somebody and not just one, not just Kyle, although Kyle's certainly done it, but other other people who've been up there a long time too, say, This person's really good. They're not always right, but they're right way more often than they're wrong. So to your point, do they know for certain? No, because we can go back to other people where they thought they were really good. But, man, do they bet 85 or 90% when they make those predictions? Yeah, I think they do. Going back years, man. depending on how many years, how many, which person. How many times Eric Rowe is your guy. Eric Rowe is your guy. They told you, Eric yeah, Rowe. This, this, isn't, this isn't defensive back. It is not. You're right. 
And if that injects a little more doubt into your mind, I don't blame you. A ton of doubt. But I also You're feel like it's a home a, run on potential for three of the four. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But that doesn't matter as much if Brewer plays the whole time. Sure. And it doesn't matter if two of the four don't pan out. If two do, you're, you're golden. If one does, that's good if he stays healthy. But how many times have the youths had a starting quarterback injury? Uh, certainly they did last year. I would say three of the last four years. The starting quarterback's gone down, right? Yeah, okay, fine. I mean, that's bad news, but yeah. you have depth. that You think you have depth. But nobody on your depth chart outside of Brewer has proven Jack. Fact. That is fact Jack. That that, he hasn't proven Jack. What he just said. (laughs) I don't want to try to repeat that. I don't want to downgrade what Ludwig is saying, because whatever I know, he knows a million times more. But it's hard for me to believe that you've got four power hitters in your quarterback room because they've never had four quarterback nope. power hitters. And now all of a sudden you've got them based on I what? I don't care. The ability the, to hand I, off and throw to the tight end. I came in, I came into this week and you did too, assuming that at least one of those guys is going to transfer. So you don't, you don't need to have four. We've seen kids transfer twice, so the thought that one we'll of these kids is, if they do. Yeah, the thought that one of these kids is going to... If you're the starter on the depth chart, great. And if you're second on the quarterback depth chart, you ought to... You're in that building, and it was Morgan Scala. You, you don't know what happened at 530. Well, I'm thinking at 530, somebody on that coaching staff has mentioned, yeah, the back of a quarterback's played three of the last four years, so how about you be ready? So I would think if you're the number two quarterback, well, you're not excited yeah, you lost the be. job, but you're still thinking, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be play here. i got to be ready. Now, when you're third well, or fourth. Not just that. Fourth, they're all young. They have the opportunity. Even if you're third or fourth. It's mm-hmm. the, I, don't, I don't see it's not this year. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, anything else you want to pass along? Because we heard from Kyle and then uh, heard from the head coach, the offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. Uh, we heard from two of the four quarterbacks. All four spoke, but we had to go to commercial break at some point. So, 50-minute session. Well, we don't know who's going to win the running back job. Nope. And I think that that's important, particularly at Utah, when whoever wins that running back job is usually good. So that's something to watch there. And then receivers, uh, they got a couple of spots open. Enos needs to step up and have a big season. Uh, out of out of he's there, been in the program now for a number of years. It's time. Uh, they need they need production. If they don't get production out of him, then it's going to be troubling. You'll get production out of the tight ends, and you'll get production out of Covey. But if you get too much out of Covey, he's going to get hurt. So you can't keep going to him constantly. He's too small. He's dynamic. Love the kid. Hope he stays healthy all 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 games, however many games they play. Uh, that would 18. be awesome. But it's probably 21, 22. What are they? Yeah. What are they Weaver State? Who's counting? <laughs> uh, certainly 13, maybe 14 if they get into the playoff i mean not likely but not totally out of the realm so there's a lot of things that need to be decided and i don't even know 
that I believe they have all the receivers that they're going to have when the season starts in camp I, right now. I don't. I think don't believe do. that. Yeah, I, I think they're going to get the transfer window. Kyle's talked about it. Now, just because you want to get someone doesn't mean you do. But well, they haven't gotten a big transfer at quarter at running at receiver as I named three positions before finally getting the one I meant. Carrington was the exception. He got kicked off the team in or uh, at Oregon. And Kyle has been known to take guys who have trouble before. And the Carrington thing worked out. He didn't, as far as I know, he didn't present any trouble. And every time you talk to him, he just expressed his gratitude for giving the opportunity. And he was determined to not screw it up, at least publicly. Nothing that I'm aware of. He did screw it. He didn't screw it up. He was a good kid. So... It's not like I'm going to count on them thinking, oh, my gosh, man, i got to get myself to Utah where I can really blossom as a receiver. It will be interesting to see if they have more success with receivers in the transfer portal than they've had in the past, in part because they have so many transfers and who will those kids recruit. Uh, Jaquinia Jackson spoke and went into how Ty Jordan got him to Utah. They knew each other competing against each other in Texas, and that was a big part of why he ended up Choosing to transfer, uh, Jordan had committed to Texas and flipped, and he had committed to Texas and gone, but then transferred. So, you know, maybe maybe one of these quarterbacks coming in knows somebody and has a relationship, and that can help them land something they had, somebody they hadn't gotten before. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, we also talked a lot of uh, NCAA tournament uh, this morning. Uh, BYU, UCLA, or Michigan State, the consensus is it's going to be Michigan State. It's one game, so you never know. But Steve Cleland pointed out the four-game losing streak for UCLA. You pointed out the injuries to UCLA. And Michigan State has been uneven. They have beaten very, they, they've beaten very good teams. They've gotten very good wins. And, of course, they're an 11 seed because they also have very bad losses. Yes, but, man, beating two of the four number one seeds certainly <laughs> jumps out at you. It does. And it, it makes uh, you granted, think. Granted, those were all... Why are you ninth place and an 11 seed? You took down some of the best teams in the yeah. country. They did it at the end because it's all from like February 26th on, I think. I've double checked that. Uh, and I believe they were all in East Lansing. So uh, you'll get that opportunity. But I, I am just real eager to see what the Cougars can do uh, because, and they got a lot of enthusiasm. You listen to Alex Barcelo, he's talking about how he's basically been reborn. This is what he came here for, and this is their big opportunity. And and it, it's so dicey in a one-game basis. I mean, you could just have cold shooting nights and it just makes everything a struggle. It just mm-hmm. looked like last year, St. Mary's in the, NCAA, in the conference tournament. They were better than St. Mary's, but they lost like 51-50, to 50, I think, something like that. Uh, Ford hit a shot right at the end, and BYU just couldn't get any rhythm going offensively. So you never really know as far as that goes in an individual game. But this is their t- their time, man. Mark Pope talks a great game, and he's done tremendous stuff. But you got to do it now. Getting to the NCAA tournament is nice. And I think it, it meant more when you are coming out of the Mountain West. To me, just by having a basketball program, you ought to be second in the, big, in the West Coast every single year. You should be. Most years, eight out of ten years, you should finish second. Minimum, finish second. It's just a it's a weak, weak conference. So I can't give you a whole lot of platitudes for doing that. 
It's what you're going to do now. And that's how you want to be recognized anyway. You don't want to be recognized for a good regular season, you know, like a big sky. If they make it to the tournament or your guys, Santa Barbara, if you make it to the tournament. It's already a good year. Outstanding season. Yeah. Yeah. UCSB has won one. They're on a different level. UC Santa Barbara has won one tournament game ever. I think this is their sixth or seventh trip, I think. Uh, and so it is. It's a different level. You're and you want to, aren't you? You want to be. Creighton's going down. Uh, <laughs> so you want to be. You want to separate yourself from that group of schools and be the team that wins in the tournament. And and winning a tournament game is a big deal. And coaches know what it does for their career. The ads I think all it's know the school. Especially a big deal. It's especially a big deal for BYU because of their commitment to the transfer portal. It's bigger now. The ramifications are stronger now. It's not like, okay, you win a tournament game. Well, let's hope that there's good LDS talent because that's going to determine how good your basketball program is. If there's good LDS talent and you get the most of it, you're going to be good. If there's weak LDS talent those particular year or years, you're probably not going to be good. Mark Pope has moved past that. And getting success in the NCAA tournament, he's opened up a lot of doors. Getting harms was a great pickup. Now, going forward here, if you can back it up with some NCAA tournament success, I think that just opens the doors for a lot more kids who are mature enough, if they're not LDS, to handle all the hoops that you got to jump through to be at BYU. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the Big Show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's a late boom, but we give you a boom nonetheless. I did think of that. It is late in the show to have a warehouse read. I don't know who tracks that other than you and I, but it's late. All right. Feedback. What have you got to say about today's show? Jazz lose to the Warriors. What's up with that? James Fertitta says, bad loss yesterday. Need that win. Losing to a 500 team, you know, they beat so many 500 teams winning uh, 11 in a row and then 9 in a row and making a 20 out of 21 that the blowout win over the 500 team was almost a foregone conclusion there for a while, and now suddenly it's not. And again, the Celtics, their next opponent, another team that's been bouncing around 500, 500-ish all year, uh, coming off a, a win yesterday, but they've been up and down, and they're two games over right now at 20-18. and 18. Yeah, I think they're a good team. I think they've played below their potential. It's going to be a dangerous game. I always had it circled as a dangerous game. Yeah, absolutely. Rod says the other NBA teams are getting better, and they are figuring out the jazz. And then there's an emoji, a scared guy, eyes wide open. That was Steve Cleveland's point. Inevitably, other teams are going to catch up. They're going to improve. They're going to figure out what you're doing and figure out an answer, and now you've got to adjust to them. They adjusted to you. You've got to adjust to them. One thing that was happening with those turnovers hasn't happened earlier. The, the whole thing has been stick with the Jazz three-point shooters. So when you go to drive, there's nobody around you. And suddenly the Warriors were leaving the shooters and reaching in and trying to poke the ball away, and it worked a few times. That's how they got bogey a few times. They got Mitchell doing that once. Some of the turnovers were bad passes, but a lot of them were off the dribble. Yeah, when you got such a strong defensive weapon like Rudy Gobert and you eliminate him via your turnovers, that really does suck. Yeah. 
Yep, he's not likely to have a big impact when uh, when someone uh, pops the ball loose at the free throw line and has a head start on him. Right. You state Iceman. I think my Aggies are going to win their game Friday. When you two play two games in less than 24 hours, one the day before, you've not much gas in the tank. But we will be running on a full tank this game. So I think we can win. Defense travels. Defense travels. We've heard that more than once. I'm sure you heard it many times from Rick Majerus, and you were saying that Mountain West Conference title game is a game that uh, he would have enjoyed at the big buffet in the sky, that that was how he wanted to play basketball, and that was a brutal turnaround for the Aggies, uh, playing until like midnight and then uh, back at it 4 o'clock the next afternoon. With testing yeah, in between. that's out the window. Yep. Everybody's on the same schedule now going forward for them. BYU will get a little bit of a break. But uh, where Utah State is, they got the opportunity to show how good you are. Yeah, your defense does it can be consistent from place to place. I agree, but your offense has got to make enough shots. You just simply cannot win a game exclusively defensively. That doesn't work. You've got to find ways to put the ball in the basket. You can't have these long three, four, five minute scoring droughts. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands at Scotty are coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.